Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur flirt. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, such as myself. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want to engage with you and have you be part of the conversation. So, find me on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor. And, uh, you know, hit me up there if there's you want to chat with me. As I'm, I don't do too much during the day. I'm usually always available. And, of course, as always, you should have ColtSebastianTaylor.com bookmarked so you can keep up to date with all of my adventures throughout the week. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. Our first story this week, my friends, is from Wall Street, where greed is good. Especially if you're Gordon Gecko. If you're everyone else, it, it, it's not so great. Well, there has been some wild swings in some stocks on the stock market. Uh, GameStop has been the subject of a lot of attention. Uh, for those who don't know, GameStop uh, is a video game store. It's a chain uh, in the you know, 80s and 90s and early aughts. Very popular with all the games before everything kind of went online. And they've, uh, they've followed some rough times. They've closed a lot of stores. Um, their feature is in question. A lot of people just don't go to video game stores anymore. And last December, their stock, uh, their publicly traded company, was, tr- was trading about 2 to $3 a share. Uh, and then last week, uh, for some time, it crossed over $500 per share, which is uh, you know in the Tesla, I believe, area in terms of stock prices. So I probably say to yourself, Colts, um, huh, that's odd, and you would be correct. What happened? Did uh, GameStop discover time travel? No. Did uh, Dr. Mario find the COVID-19 vaccine? No. Did they develop an AI that became self-aware and now is on the, on the cusp of global control? Yes. Nope, just kidding. That's not, we don't have a Terminator, Terminator 2 situation here. Um... Actually, it, it went that high kind of as a joke. So, um, backing up a little bit, uh, for those who don't know how the stock market works, um, I'm with you because I don't know how exactly it works, but there is something known as shorting a stock. So, basically, you borrow a stock, you sell it, and then you have to give that stock back to a broker. Now, the idea is like you're going to sell it at $5.00, it's going to drop in value, and then you sell it back to the broker for $3, and then you keep the money. Now, think of that on like a massive scale. You might buy $5 million worth of stock. You think, boy, this stock is not going to go too well. It's going to drop. I can sell it back for $2 million, pocket pocket the difference. That's the idea. Now, on the flip side, if you buy you know $5 million shares worth of stock, and the stock goes up, and now you have to, you have to sell it back. Uh, you know, or buy it back and give the give that money back. It might be worth ten million dollars. 
you're on the hook for $5 million. So, you know, you're betting, you're gambling that stock prices are going to go up or they're going to go down. Okay, so that's the basic idea of it. I'm not going to go any more, more, more deeply into that. Uh, if you watch the movie Trading Spaces with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, at the very end, you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Side note, great movie. Other side note, has not hold up too well over the time, over the years, but it's a very funny Christmas movie. Moving along. So anyways, that's, that's the idea. So basically, uh, a hedge fund... Um, put in a lot of orders. Like, you know, game stock, they're going to go out of business. I'm going to buy a bunch of stock, drive down the price, and then sell that stock back and make a ton of money. Uh, this this happens sometimes, a little predatory short selling, where they'll buy a bunch of stock, release a bunch of rumors that this is going down, the stock prices go down, they sell it back, they make some money, et cetera, et cetera. The company is usually hurt. Well, this company, I believe called Melvin, Securities or something of that nature bought a bunch of GameStop uh, sh- short orders, on a short order it, and uh, was going to hopefully you know, drive the stock price down. Well, on the internet, on Reddit, there is a subreddit board where people get together and you know they trade various stock ideas and whatnot. And it got to them that like, hey. Uh, this hedge fund wants to put kind of put GameStop out of business and make some money. Boy, would it be funny if we drove up the prices? And guess what they did? They drove up the prices. So using an app called Robinhood, which allows everyday people to get into the stock market just through their app. You know, re- they're called retail stock buyers. You now they're not professional hedge managers, not professional stockbrokers, just everyday folks. Use this app. And uh, I guess I, whatever the opposite of shorting a stock is, bought stock in such numbers it drove the price up from three dollars to fifty, sixty, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred dollars. Uh, as a result, this hedge fund lost five billion dollars with a B, five billion. Dollars estimates on Wall Street that other hedge funds who had money in the GameStop overall, like seventy billion dollars was lost because a bunch of folks on the internet said, "Boy, wouldn't it be funny if we screwed Wall Street on this?" And they did. Uh, this <laughs> uh, this became such a problem that Robinhood, the app. Stop letting people buy the stock. They cut people off from the stock, and a lot of brokerages. Uh, stop people from trading trading using their systems to buy the stock to stabilize the uh, stock price. Now, the sort of thing that upset a lot of people was that they stopped everyday people, but they still let hedge funds trade the stock. So they've limited ac- people's access to this stock. Now, taking a step back, this is obviously stock manipulation and is technically illegal. Well, not technically, it is illegal. Uh, however, the thought is like, well, hey, this is anything different than what these hedge funds are doing. We're just screwing hedge funds and there's more people doing it. The SEC, the um, Security Exchange Commissions, which govern this sort of stuff, they go after people. You know, Bernie Madoff, he got in trouble with SEC. SEC. Um, they don't really know how to approach this. This is the first time hundreds 
of thousands of people have gotten together and have manipulated the stock price. I mean, who do you go after? Everyone has had a little bit of peace into this. Usually it's just one person. This is hundreds of thousands of people. This is the first time the stock market has sort of uh, encountered the internet in terms of, hey, let's go do something, screw some people. And uh, they don't know how to approach it. So uh, besides besides GameStop, there's some other stocks that have been limited in terms of people being able to buy them. Uh, the AMC Theaters, uh, GM. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, <laughs> I believe Blockbuster. Yes, Blockbuster, the, 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 the company is out of business, still is technically on an exchange. It is a liquidated company, so there's still some assets that are offloading taking care of some lingering legal things. They're still a thing. Uh, they were trading at three-tenths of a penny and uh, was driven up to 11 cents briefly uh, this week because people bought a bunch of Blockbuster stock, drove it up to screw hedge funds who still had some, trying to make little micro, you know, if it drops it, if it goes from, if it goes from three-tenths of a cent to two-tenths of a cent, doesn't seem like a lot, but if you got a lot of stock, that could be a lot of money. So there's a lot of internet interference in the stock market this week, uh, some wild changes, and it's a sort of a new realm that <laughs> hedge funds and stockbrokers and the SEC don't quite know how to deal with right now. So um, I think one of I think one of the funniest memes I saw was. Um, <laughs> Stock brokerages waking up to the internet at its front door and it was just a picture of Gritty from Philadelphia looking up the stairs just waving. So I will follow this. I don't know if they have this quite well in hand yet. Uh, be, like, listen, just want to make something perfectly clear. I, Colt Sebastian Taylor, am not a financial advisor. So you should not take any of my advice as, uh, as good financial advice. Consult your broker. Uh, lawyer, uh, and religious entity before making any big life choices. Moving along, if you are uh, a stockbroker or just dealing with COVID-19 in general, you may need an emotional support animal. They do great work out there. They help a lot of people, usually their dogs and whatnot. Well, the emotional support animal industry is not a highly regulated industry. Um, and, uh, you can get about emotional support, whatever, uh, which, hey, if people want emotional support peacock or emotional support squirrel, emotional support, uh, spitting cobra, that's, that's on them. However, uh, many airlines and now Southwest Airlines are banning emotional support animals, uh, starting March 1st, uh, with the exception, with the exception of trained certified service dogs like a legit service dog still allowed in on an airplane everyone else uh they need to be stored and put underneath the plane and travel like the rest rest of the animals that have to travel on the plane uh this has come after many issues on planes where like squirrels have gotten loose someone tried to bring an emotional support peacock on board and whatnot and uh, a lot of airlines have just said all right i think um I think we've had enough here, and so now we are done. We're done. See, a lot of people would see a lot of people have been abusing the system. 
Now that they need emotional support, they just want to pay the pet fees associated with transporting a pet. And so if they're an emotional support animal, they would have uh, you know, less, less fees than if they're just bringing an animal along. So um, <laughs> this is after some recent incidents in 2018, 2019. Um, you know, people have brought on cats, turtles, pigs, other creatures, saying that they're emotional support animals. They've produced some sort of certificate saying such. And airlines, you know, at the time, like, well, you know, we have an emotional support animal policy. Well, they are closing the door on the emotional support hamsters, emotional support baby hippos, emotional support orangutans. It's all done. Just trained service dogs. And that's it. Um, I don't even know how, like, a emotional support peacock would work. Like, would the peacock sense that you're feeling sad and then display its its plumage to you to make you feel better. Which, hey, if you could train a peacock to do that, I mean, that, that'd be pretty impressive, if you ask me. But not, I think, very useful on an airplane. Because um, uh, I believe they're, they're not they're not the nicest birds. Uh, they, they'll peck you. Or anything of swans. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an aviary expert. But anyways... If you have an emotion, unless you have a trained, certified emotional support dog, the kind that wears the vest, um, you're going to have a hard time flying going forward because a lot of airlines have had enough. Well, even if you don't need an emotional support animal to travel, there is one country that uh, it's going to be tough to visit. In 2021, New Zealand, land of hobbits and Flight of the Concords, a great country to visit. Highly recommend it. But you may not be able to visit this year because the Prime Minister is seriously considering keeping its borders closed for the rest of 2021. Uh, they really have not started a vaccinated um, uh, campaign there, but they have locked down that country pretty tight. Uh, in, since the pandemic started, they've had uh, 1,934 confirmed cases and 25 deaths. Total. Yes, yes. Total. So they've done a pretty good job at keeping COVID-19 out of the country. Uh, they started to briefly open up, but someone came back from overseas and came back with the South African strain of COVID-19, which, if you haven't heard, is a whole lot more contagious. Not so much more deadly, but, you know, more people get infected. It's going to put a harder strain on the <clears throat> health systems in the area. I believe there's like a... South African version, a UK version, and the Brazilian version. I'm not sure which one's the most concerned. They're all of a concern. Nothing's great. But anyways, New Zealand is not really going to let anyone from outside the country in the country, especially tourists. They are making arrangements uh, for travel between their Pacific neighbors, because a lot of people from New Zealand visit Australia, and vice versa. There's a lot of little Pacific islands and nations in the area, so they're going to be sort of open for that, but under very strict quarantine rules. Uh, I believe if you come to New Zealand, you best add two weeks to your stay, because you're going to have to stay put for 14 days in a quarantine to make sure you just don't got the COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, New Zealand is not not messing around uh, not letting anyone into the country right now to keep the cases down. And uh, <clears throat> I think, I mean, once I'm sure once they have their population vaccinated, they'll probably reconsider that. But as you may know, the vaccination uh, process is going a wee bit slow. 
So there's really no way to know when exactly they'll get their act together down there. I mean, even when they get the vaccines and whatnot. So um, you may want to cross New Zealand off for 2021, maybe 2022, uh, for you to go to see the Shire. But uh, I have to say, have to say, folks, they're doing a pretty decent job down there. 25 deaths from COVID-19 in all of 2020. Those are pretty decent numbers. They're, they're, they're doing okay down there. So, But anyways, uh, I'll keep tabs on that. And once the New Zealand tour, tourist uh, industry opens, I will let you know. Maybe New Zealand will fly me down there for a special episode of the Sat Report. Won't hold my breath, but I would go. <laughs> and if there's one place, one place I will definitely go... Once I get the COVID shot and the booster shot and I am vaccinated, I'm going, I'm going to hop on the first plane, train, automobile, boat. I'm going down to South Florida. Why, you ask? Why am I going to South Florida? Because I want to be there. When my pal DC has his show, DC, live in effect uh, on Fridays at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m., I'll make a three-day weekend of it. And, um... I want to hang out with him when he does the show. It's his show, DC Live in Effect, right here on AWSM Radio. He is our in-house DJ, and he mixes it up Fridays and Sundays. And you do not want to miss. You do not want to miss out why he is smashing it on the ones and twos from his South Florida DJ compound every week. You listen to me on Saturday. You probably heard him last night. Set your alarm for tomorrow night. You have to listen to him. He's my pal. He'll be your pal, too. Follow him on Rizzle on Instagram. He's he's not too hard to find. He's a great pal, and he's a great DJ, and you need, you need, nay, you must listen to him right here on AWSM Radio. Moving along to some uplifting news, the Doomsday Clock. Sorry, folks. Fate you out there. The Doomsday Clock. What's the Doomsday Clock cult? I'm glad you asked. And no, it's not a clock I have here in my bunker where I'm planning world domination. That is just a vicious rumor that DC has put out. Uh, the Doomsday Clock is a metaphor, really. It is a clock uh, put out by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. And it's a metaphor that uh, shows you how close we are to a man-made global catastrophe uh, from unchecked scientific and technical advances. Uh, it came out in 1947, because that was kind of like the concern about nuclear war. And every year they uh, move the clock up and close, closer to midnight, being that if it once it hits midnight, that's, that's the game, folks. That's the whole, whole game. And uh, so... Basically, is how many minutes to midnight are we? Uh, they put out a bulletin every year. They don't change the clock every year. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, five, six, seven years between the changes and whatnot. Uh, in 1947, we were seven minutes to midnight. Uh, this kind of changed after the um, uh, after the, the the Soviets, the Soviet Union, came out with uh, their nuclear program. We went to two minutes to midnight in 1953. Uh, it has pretty much, for the first part of it, it's been between three, three and four and five minutes, sometimes seven minutes to midnight. Um, the biggest change, uh, was in 1968, uh, not that big a change, but the biggest early change was it went five minutes closer in 1968 due to, um, the Vietnam War and the war in India and Pakistan. 
And then the biggest positive change, the farthest it has ever been from midnight, was in, in 1991. It was 17 minutes to midnight. So it was set to like, you know, 11.43. Uh, this was after the, uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, the first strategic arms reduction treaty, and, uh, you know, peace, you know, the Cold War had ended. So that was the farthest it has ever been from midnight. So, price yourself, Colts. Um, all right, 1991. That was uh 30 years ago. Yes, it was, friends. Um, how um, how far is it away from now? We're 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 probably closer than 17 minutes, right? Yeah, friends, we're definitely a wee bit closer. So, the atomic scientists put out a bulletin. Uh, we are the well. The good news is, uh, we did not change from last year. Okay, there has been no changes from last year. The bad news, <laughs> the bad news is we are a hundred seconds from midnight. Uh, so they took uh, so last year they took about a third of a minute off. So we are a hundred seconds to midnight. Uh, this is the, I believe, the closest it has ever been to midnight. Uh, these scientists feel that we are as in much danger from a worldwide catastrophe now than we are uh, ever before. Um, you know, we've been two minutes to midnight, so we're not, we're not uh, a full minute to midnight. We're kind of in between two and one minutes, but they consider this situation to be as serious, if not more serious, um, than in 1953 and then in 2018. Um, they, the last year they said, um, this is the most dangerous situation the humanity has ever faced. And this was, um, this was even before COVID-19. Um, <laughs> so this year they kept it the same. Uh, they cited the early downplaying of the pandemic, delayed responses, uh, COVID, um, uh, mutations, uh, the disregarding of scientists and the just, unfortunate viral spread of conspiracy theories. And, uh, yeah, so right now we're 100 seconds from tonight. Um, hopefully we'll put a little bit of buffer on that this year and get back up maybe to two minutes. That, that, that'd be swell, I think. Um, but, yeah, since, uh, since 1991, we have gone down in, in order. Three minutes, five minutes, two minutes, another two minutes, plus one minute in 2010 – Minus one in 2012, minus two, uh, 2017, minus 30 seconds, another 30 seconds in 2018, 20 seconds last year, um, and then this year, holding steady at 100 seconds. So, <sighs> everything's great. Everything's great. We still got 100 seconds, folks. I'm sure we can, we can, we can turn this around. Moving along to something a little more uplifting, Napoleon. Uh, no, no, don't worry. He has not come back from the dead to invade Europe once again, at least that not 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 yet in twenty twenty one. But uh, a manuscript of his victory in eighteen oh five recently went on sale. It was, it was a handwritten manuscript uh, with his note. He put some notes along the side detailing his uh, success um, while he was on uh, Saint Helena uh, during his exile. Because if if you don't know history, Napoleon. Uh, Took over France, invaded most of Europe, got defeated, went to Elba, which was an island of Italy, came back to France, got defeated again, 
and they got kicked out of Europe altogether and went to a remote island in the Atlantic Ocean called St. Helena, where he spent the rest of his years in exile there, uh, where he eventually passed away. Anyways, while there, it's an island in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot to do there, especially in, 18, in the early 1800s. So uh, I spent a lot of time writing, and uh, he wrote down about his one of his greatest victories, uh, the Battle of Austerlitz. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Um, but um, uh, it is a very famous battle, and the strategy behind it is still taught in uh, military schools. Uh, it's a very famous battle. And um, he, uh, Napoleon wrote densely over 74 pages of this. It's also called The Day of the Three Emperors, where emperors of three different nations fought. Uh, he was the emperor at the time, uh, Austrian emperor and the Russian emperor, and uh, they all fought together. And it's considered one of Napoleon's greatest adventures. Well, he wrote this down, put notes on the side, and uh, it went to auction, and it sold for one million pounds. Actually, one million euros, eight hundred and eighty pounds, which I, it's probably more money than I think U.S. is not worth that much in terms of currency. I'm not up to date on my um, um, my uh, <laughs> my currency exchange, but uh, like I said, it was written there. Uh, he was dictated to his aide de camp, General Henri Guitin Bertard. Bernard, Bernardi, French name, um, and uh, then he wrote notes along the side in it. So it's a very famous manuscript. It's very densely written, and uh, it went for a whole lot of money. It has some sketches in there where battle positions. They offered some what he was thinking during the day, um, and uh, it was a very, very, very interesting historical, um, very interesting historical document, and uh, you know it's down the in someone's hands, they paid a decent amount of money for it. Um, the uh, It's written, it's quoted to say, uh, I regret to think that I will lose many of these brave men. I feel bad. It makes me feel that they are truly my children. And in truth, I reproach myself sometimes for this feeling since I fear that it will end up making me incapable of war. So, but whether he felt that or he was just saying that to make his posterity uh, seem a little bit more noble, hard to say. But, uh, yeah, nice little historical document went on sale. I mean, I've looked at the manuscript here, and it's in excellent, excellent condition. I mean, the, the, the paper is over 200 years old, and it looks like it was written the other day. I mean, it's very fancy French handwriting that I cannot understand, but someone took a great care, uh, great care uh, preserving these 70-plus pages. It's pr- pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Moving along to grocery store news. Yes, I cover all things on here. Uh, Costco and Target are dropping a coconut milk brand uh, from its stores, removing them from their shelves. Uh, the Choa Cow coconut milk uh, over uh, labor allegations. Pricing yourself, Colts. Well, it's a good thing they're doing that. You shouldn't have, you know children and child labor to make coconut milk. Nope, nope, not not child labor or a coconut sweatshop. Um, there are apparently, apparently allegations that this company is using monkey labor. Yes. So basically, uh, coconuts, as you may know, grow on trees and they're high up in the air. And apparently, allegedly, this company have trained monkeys to climb up these trees 
and take the coconuts off, and they're forcing them to do it and treating them very poorly and whatnot, and very terrible conditions for the monkeys. So uh, PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, have uh, sort of complained about it, and um, Costco and Target are now removing this coconut milk from their shelves. As a note, though, however, I would like to say that PETA, uh, uh, of, of, the, of the organizations out there, they are probably the most, one of the more annoying ones, one out there, like, you know, it's uh, they do lots of good work, but they also, like, you kind of get to the point, like, all right, just why don't you take it down a notch, you know, you, you, you can't win everything. Uh, I think uh, they put out this chart about how they should, uh, you shouldn't uh, use some phrases because it doesn't treat animals like killing two birds with one stone. They have a problem with that. And are urging people not to use that phrase anymore. And have put out alternative phrases. And I'm like, eh, all right, guys. <laughs> do, 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 do you know, do you know each, each time you do this, you, you turn some people off. You turn people off. But they have convinced Target and uh, Costco to drop this coconut milk. The company denies all charges. Uh, so obviously there'll be a wee bit of investigation. They might come back if they are proven to be right. And, uh, you know, if they're proven to be not doing any of that, then we might end up having to sue PETA for, you know, business damages. But um, if uh, the Choa Cow coconut milk is your preferred coconut milk, you may have trouble finding it at Target and Costco. As for me... I do not drink coconut milk. Why, you ask? Because uh, I'm allergic, apparently. Apparently, I'm allergic to coconut milk. How did I find out? Well, my friends, in a very scientific manner, I had a coconut smoothie once and felt terrible, and my throat was scratchy and tight. And then I had another one a week later, and it was even worse. And I said to myself, hey, I might be allergic to coconut milk. And so, since then, I avoid coconut milk Altogether, actually, just any sort of coconut. Why? Why bother? It's not high on the list of my tastes, so no, no big deal for me. I'd much rather be allergic to coconut than like chocolate. Oh my god! Imagine how terrible that would be. That would be. That would that'd just be. What's the point? What's the point? No chocolate, coconut, whatever. Chocolate. Whew. That would be a. That would be a struggle. Moving along from groceries to entertainment, Netflix says that Bridgerton is its biggest series ever. It is a, a big hit. A lot of people have watched it. It's on Netflix. It has been seen by 82 million households around the world. You have to assume that those aren't just one-person households. So a ton of people have seen the show Bridgerton. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should. It takes place during the Regency era of uh, of the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a very great show. Lots of great cast members there. I mean, the costumes alone are they're pretty amazing. And uh, I think they're going to do more than one season. I certainly hope so. But it's a pretty intense, a really, really great show. Um, it's uh, it's produced by uh, Shonda Rhimes. And um, it is, um, it's it's a really good show. I really recommend it. I binge watched it, pretty good. And hey, let's uh, let's uh, let's 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 be honest. You're not going out during the pandemic. You might as well enjoy Bridgerton. Watch it now because it has been renewed 
for a second season just last week. So if you've already seen it, you know what I'm talking about. So allow me to be the first to bring to you the good news that you will have at least, at least, another season of Bridgerton. And apparently a Bridgerton musical is being worked on. And uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, it's very popular TikTok. Apparently, uh, this, this show has uh, inspired many people to work on their own corsets and adopt the fancy, fancy language that they used back then to use their, um, <laughs> to, use, to use in their everyday lives. So anyways, my friends, watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I did, and I'm, I'm, well, let's be honest, I'm not too hard to entertain, but I think you will enjoy it because 82 million other households have, so you don't want to miss out, watch it. Speaking of classy and things you don't want to miss and who just walks in with an air of royalty and whose voice is Poetry floating on the air. My friend rocks, and you can catch her every Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the Rock Sessions. It is AWSM Radio's drive time show, making sure that your evening commute home is fun. It features the hottest music on the charts, along with some other surprises in between. And I know for a fact that Rox is a big fan of this show, and I Colt Sebastian Taylor wholeheartedly and full-throatedly endorsed Rocks for her show. It's a great show. You really need to listen to it. So you can listen online. You can download the app. You can send a carrier pigeon who will bring back messages to you. Not efficient, I might add. But hey, if you got pigeons, do what you got to do. But I recommend the app. Listen to her. The Rock Sessions. She's going to make it rock. Rock style. Monday through Friday. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Right here on AWSM Radio. Moving along, friends. Um, you know, COVID-19, despite what the people have said, did not end with the election. And uh, it's becoming more popular now to double mask. Um, you might be seeing a lot of politicians doing that. News reporters, people who are out and about on a regular basis. And with new, more virulent strains of COVID-19 out there, ah, not a terrible idea. So basically, the concept behind this is, you know, two is better than one. And so people aren't saying just to double up on fabric masks. That's kind of silly. Uh, but to do, like, the disposable paper mask and then put a fabric mask over that. So it doesn't really interfere as much, doesn't interfere anymore with your breathing. But both layers help keep particulars out of your mouth. And uh, hopefully will keep you a whole lot healthier. As for me... Uh, if you do not know, and if you don't follow me on my website or Twitter or Rizzle or Instagram, then you are a fool. You may know I have a rather long beard. I have a pandemic beard. It is not ZZ top length, but it's getting there. So I don't like wearing masks just like a little paper mask because I have a big old bushy beard. It sticks out on, on all sides, and it, it looks kind of silly, and you know the, the, the beard's kind of like a you know, like a snow plow that just catches air in particular. So I often wear a bandana over top of it. So over top of my face, my beard, I tuck my beard in and everything's covered. So what I'm doing now for my own safety and the safety of my, my, my friends and family and high-risk people I come in contact with on an irregular basis, whilst I'm out and about in the world is I put a paper mask over, you know, my talking hole, and then I put a bandana on top of that and... That works well. Now, here's the thing. Like, 
I don't wear masks. Not because I don't think COVID-19 is a real thing. COVID-19 is a real thing, and you should definitely wear masks. But uh, I don't wear masks. My ears are too small. My ears are too small. I got small, cute, adorable ears. And the masks, like the little little loops on them, they, the ears can't hold it. It falls off, so I have to tie it behind my head just to keep it in place. So the bandana helps keep that paper mask sort of in place over my mouth, keeping me and everyone else safe. And I'm not fumbling with a stupid paper mask that, that falls off all the time and whatnot. So my friends, you know, that we're a long ways off until like we, I think we've, you know, definitely have hit bottom. Knock, knock on wood. Have some wood here in my studio. Uh, but, like, we're, we might be at the bottom for quite a while. So, protect yourself, protect your friends, double mask it, double bag it, and, uh, you know, you'll you'll be safer. Might, you know, might be a little bit of a hassle, but it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Finally, my friends, in literary news, uh, the first Native American ever to wear the prestigious Randolph Caldecott Medal for Best Children's Picture Story went to illustrator Michaela Goad for her work in We Are the Water Protectors. It is a children's picture book, uh, celebrates uh, nature and the condemnation of the black snake also known as the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, like I said, first, first Native American to win this award. Uh, she's quoted to say, I am really honored and proud. I think it's really important for young people and aspiring bookmakers and other creative people to see this. Now, the other child, the children's book award that goes out this time of year is the John Newberry Medal for Best Overall children's work. And like I said, if you go back at past winners of the Newberry uh, Award in Caldecott, you'll see some great classic children's stories. So this is a very prestigious award. Uh, it went to uh, a book called uh, When You Trap a Tiger by Tay Keller. Uh, it's a story uh, that draws upon a Korean folklore and family history, also named this year's Best Asian Pacific American Literature. So two great awards, two new great children's books. If you are a reader, like to read to your children, or your children are the voracious, voracious, vicious readers. Am I using that word right? Probably not. Um, you should check out these two new books. It is, um, it is really great. It is really great. And then finally... And the Cordes Scott King Award uh, went to Jacqueline Woodson, uh, whose previous honor included a National Book Award for her, uh, she won it for the third time, for her best work by a black author for Before the Era After, and uh, a tribute to uh, Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, won the King Award for Best Illustration, uh, which was written by Carol Boston Weatherford with images by Frank Morrison, so Two to several, several new books for your collection. Get them, check them out. They won national awards, so they are very, very high quality. Well, that just about wraps up another fantastic episode of the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, right here on AWSM Radio. Thank you for joining me here today. I've enjoyed this immensely. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, telling you these stories. And remember, in case you've forgotten or got clunked on the head in the last 40 minutes, you can find me on the Rizzle, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Colt S. Taylor. So please, feel free to engage with me there. Let me know if I'm missing any stories, or if you hated any stories, or just to send me a funny anime gif. I, I like attention, so whatever you want to do. I'll be there. Love to engage with you on there. And, of course, if you haven't already, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com 
and you can be caught up to date with all things Cole Sebastian Taylor and even listen to past episodes of The Saturday Report with me, Cole Sebastian Taylor. Well, until next time, my friends, and until next week, I am, of course, as always, your friend, Cold Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.